Stanford University. Many of you in the audience are geniuses already. I think that's true, but my goal is to turn you into a behavior change genius. And I'm going to pick one little slice of it. It's different than what Sheena will be talking about later, and they're, they're very complementary approaches. If I can get the uh, visual up on the screen here, and if not, I will just kind of keep going. Today, I'm going to talk about habits. And what I want us to do, first of all, is everyone, you got your mobile phone, right? Can everybody pull that out and turn your ringer on? Yeah, first time anybody's <laughs> ever told you to do that, right? And turn it out, turn the ringer on. Here's what we're going to do. Every time you hear somebody's phone ring, I want you to do this. I'm not tension, you know, relax, okay? So just a very quick relaxation exercise. So when you hear a phone ring, ring means relax. Now, if it's your phone going off, yeah, let it ring once or twice, but then turn it off. We don't have to hear the whole Lady Gaga ring tone or what have you. Okay, we got that? Okay, so habits, habits, habits. The, the class I'm teaching right now here at Stanford is about using technology to create habits of calming, of stress reduction, and I think habits are very important. If we only have information and we don't, oh, I miss that one. We'll talk about that. If we don't change our behavior, Information, frankly, doesn't matter. In fact, rarely does information lead to behavior change. There are some cases where it does, but just because somebody gives me uh, a stat about, um, you know, I'm out of shape doesn't mean I'm going to go and start exercising right away. And we all know that's the case. And so the challenge is how do you change people's lives by changing their habits? And that's been an obsession of mine for about 18 months in the health arena. Uh, I came here in 93 to study this question, how to use computers to change uh, people's attitudes and behaviors. Really wasn't a health person, although I've always been a health enthusiast, but in the last two years I've been sucked into this arena because the changes we need to make, a lot of them have to do with health. I don't have the exact number of how much uh, we can save money by changing behaviors. Somebody at a previous event, I was at said 80%, 80% of the, uh, I don't know what the number is. Um, I do believe that by using systematic methods to think about behavior change, that we can solve bigger problems. And to this point, oh, I'm going to offend some people, sorry. I'm, but I just have to, to this point, people have been fairly sloppy thinkers about behavior change. Okay, so don't, so listen to things with a critical ear, look at things with a critical eye, including what I'm going to be showing you today. Um, There's a Facebook class I did here, it was on the New York Times, somebody asked me to talk just briefly about this. I won't go into deeply, but in 10 weeks they got millions of people involved. The New York Times did do a cover story uh, three years later, came out Sunday. Um, the derivative stories of that weren't always accurate. Uh, don't trust everything you read, but uh, the New York Times story was mostly on target. But it's about this, the class was all about how can we systematically have impact with these apps, and how can you do that? In my lab's work here at Stanford, we've been systematically looking at change, behavior change. Now, the metaphor, and the metaphor breaks down pretty fast, but imagine if you were a chemist, a pharmacist, uh, you know, somebody even in construction, and you didn't have the periodic table of elements to work with. Imagine what a problem that would be. To date, we have not had a periodic 
table of behavior change types. And I recognized this a while ago. I tried to get some students in Europe to do it. They didn't really pick it up. So I said, okay, we're gonna do this. And my lab and I have been through a few iterations of this. We call it the behavior grid. We've passed out a product from my lab. You've got a little card. Pull that out right now. Uh, for some of you, you'll have to get out your microscopes or magnifying glasses and look at the side of the card that has that grid. Um, I'm gonna give you a brief intro to that in the hopes that you will then study it further in the hopes that when you think about a behavior change type, you'll be able to put it in the right place in the grid. The big idea here is there's 15 types of behavior. Each one has a different recipe, strategies that works. So if you're trying to get a green dot behavior done, solving with black path strategies, that's like trying to cook a birthday cake with chili powder, right? You've gotta use the right ingredients for the right target. You've got green behaviors. Look at the first column. We decided to call them green. We could have called them new. These are behaviors that are new to people. Uh, about a year ago, I got an email here from the editor of Playboy, and he said, hey, BJ, we're putting together a cool professor's list. We want you to be in, in, in Playboy. We're going to come to Stanford and you know, talk to you, take some shots. And I was like, ugh. So I'd never been in Playboy before. And so see, for me, that's a green behavior. It's characterized by fear. Um, uncertain what would happen if I said yes, what would happen and so on. Well, I, I did end up saying no. Um, but as you look at the behavior types we're trying to get people to do, if it's new, they're gonna have fear and uncertainty around it and they, there may be lack of ability. They've never done it before. Mint.com, good example of how they address this. Notice all the things they do. I've circled it in orange to address the issues of fear and security. Now, I'm gonna use some examples from the consumer internet space, because in many ways they are leading uh, the pack in, in changing people's behaviors. And by adopting the te techniques they use, we can do a lot better job in the health space. Let's go to blue behaviors, the next column. Uh, blue is characterized by things you've done before. Um, Virgin Airlines, I fly in Virgin a lot. It's no big deal for me to book a ticket, fly in Virgin. There's nothing uncertain about that. There's no barrier there. And so when it comes to blue behaviors, it's helping people do what they already know how to do, whether it's buying a book on Amazon, showing up to class on time, you know, using email, using Google Docs, what have you. Um, now, I'm not gonna go through all of this, but then we have a class called purple behaviors. These are all about doing stuff, and then the gray and black behaviors are about doing less or stop doing stuff. So even in those five columns, actually what I'd like you to do is, if you have a pen, where that orange line is, draw a line down through those columns so you see really clearly, here are the do stuff side, and here's the do less or do stop doing side of the grid. Now that you have your pen out also, blue path. This is my favorite cell in the chart. Um, circle that. This is where habits live. And blue path means doing something you know how to do for the rest of your life. Need a book? Go to Amazon, um, my alarm rings, I wake up, or I turn off the alarm. I go to the, you know, I walk out to the kitchen, I get some water. What do you do all the time without making decisions? So understand some behaviors to require decisions and some don't. In fact, in some ways that is a measure of a strength of a habit, is how much do you do it without making a decision, for better or for worse? The winning technology companies, and this isn't a perfect list, I grabbed it from TechCrunch, 
uh, last fall, but it's a pretty good list. They're good at creating habits. So they're very good at getting people to this spot. Now you don't just start here, at least from our perspective, there's a path, there's a route to get people to that blue path. Certainly they have to use your service the first time, then they have to do it again. Maybe there's a period of time where they're using it, 30 day trial, and then eventually you hope they're always using whatever product, product program service you're providing and so on. So in some ways it's a little bit, at least now with the words, you can say green dot, blue dot, and then eventually we want to get people into a blue path. Or do we want to do purple path? That's do more of something, exercise more, eat more vegetables and so on from now on. Do you really want to do a path or do you want to do a span? A span is for a limited period of time, 14 days, 21 days, six weeks, what have you, or path. We want you to buy in for the rest of your life. Spans are easier to do than paths. The winners are really good at creating these habits. Watch how they do it. If you're not using the popular technologies, you should be using them. There's a reason Twitter, Facebook, Quora, Groupon, there's a reason those people are winning and you can extract the psychological recipe from those things and use it in your work related to changing health behaviors. That's a big, big, big part of what we're doing in my Stanford lab. What are the recipes that work? Focus on those behaviors, imitate the winning formulas, don't study the losers, it's a waste of time. So, deeper on habits. I think there are three steps to new habits. And unless you've read my stuff, you've not heard these before. Um, you have some stuff coming out. There's some post-its coming out right now, so when you get a post-it, pass it along, grab a post-it, pass it along, we'll use that in a minute. The first step is to make it tiny. So let's say you want a, a member of your organization, let's say you want your workforce. You want people to exercise more, they're not exercising. If you go out and say, hey, we're all gonna create a habit of exercising 30 minutes every day, you all know what will happen. It's not, very, very few people will actually make that a habit. We've seen that over and over, that these big leaps don't work. What does work is make it really small, such as walk five minutes a day, find a spot where it lives in somebody's routine, right after you take your coffee break, right after you come back from lunch, and then you train the cycle. In other words, you don't work on getting people to walk 30 minutes a day until they have that automatic reaction, oh, I'm back from my coffee break, I'm gonna go walk for five minutes. So they're not making a decision about exercise, they are just automatically doing it, and that's it. I think those are all the steps, so I call this tiny habits. Here are the steps here. And here is the um, assertion we've not yet shown scientifically, but I think it's true. Plant a tiny habit in the right spot and it will grow without coaxing. So the right little behavior, once you get it trained in cycle, let's say it's walk five minutes, you don't have to further push people to exercise more. If the context is right, they will naturally expand to the full behavior. What I want to do is Together, right now, let's work through a case study. Um, I've never done this before, but let's try this. Okay, I'm gonna have you vote on something, and it might be sensitive, so I'm gonna have you close your eyes. And don't look at how other people are voting. Got it? Okay, ready? It'll only be like 12 seconds. Ready? Close your eyes. How many people wished you had a better flossing habit? Raise your hand. Okay, you can go ahead and put your hands down. Hopefully nobody peeked, but I will tell you it was at least 60%. A 
Let's take this in a bit more than I thought, actually. Let's take this and apply it to flossing. Make it tiny, floss one tooth. Find the right spot, find the right spot right after you brush, and then just train the cycle. In other words, don't floss all your teeth unless you really, really want to. What you're focusing on is just right after I brush, I floss. You already know how to floss all your teeth, right? That's not what you need to drill on. What you need to drill on is the automatic, I brush and then I floss. And the other piece that I didn't put here is, once you floss that one tooth, what you need to do somehow, this is what I do, it's like, victory, I did it, you know? Don't floss the rest of your teeth unless you really want to. As soon as it gets painful, like, ah, oh, this is a drag, I think your brain says, nope, I'm not making this a habit. So it has to be something that you're like, yeah, I get to floss this one tooth. Oh, and guess what, if I do them all, awesome, I'm even awesomer, okay? So on the post-it that I handed to you, what I want you to do on that post-it is write floss one tooth. Got it? Okay, we'll come back to that. Um, here we go, floss one tooth. Now, what happens, I believe, and again, we're, we're working, showing this scientifically, is once you get that little habit going, guess what, every day I floss one tooth. In fact, I floss twice a day, because my habit is after I brush, I floss, so it doesn't matter when I brush, I floss, so it's twice a day. You can expand it to a larger behavior. Walk five minutes, walk 30. Uh, eat two vegetables, eat five. Floss one tooth, floss all your teeth. That expansion from blue to purple is much, much easier than going for a green dot. You know, for the first time ever do something. And this is where, as you look at the companies that have won, they're very good at this. Get a teeny habit going. Use us for search. Use us for music appreciation. Use us to share photos. And they take that and they expand it into other domains until you're using Google Docs and Google Maps and da 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 da. So understand that dynamic. Get a little thing working and expand it. Um, we haven't heard any phone rings, have we? Let's practice. Wow, either we're not very popular or people know we're in a meeting. Let's talk about the phone in terms of understanding behavior, uh, how behavior works, uh, all, the, all the 15 behaviors work this way. Um, let me use this example. Imagine that your phone rings and you don't answer it. Think of a few reasons why. That's happened to you, right? Okay, ready, go, take 10 seconds. Okay. How many people thought of, well, I didn't answer it because I didn't hear it. It was in the car and I was in the house. How many people had an answer something like that? Okay, so that's the trigger, which is the ring, never arrived. The trigger is the call to action. It's like, do it now. Phone rings, oh, I can pick it up. The signal turns green, oh, I can go now. How many people thought of, oh, wow, here's a person calling, I'm in a bad mood, I don't want to talk to them. I don't know who's, okay, so if, if that's you, raise your left hand, okay, just hold your left hand up. Oh, I don't really want to talk right now, I'm bad. okay, keep that hand up. How many of you put something down like, oh, I'm in a meeting, I'm in the shower, I'm driving, I'm so, okay, boom, we made it, you can put your hands down, okay. So right there, I wished I had known this back in 1993 when I came here to do this work. There's only three elements 
that must happen at the same moment for behavior to occur, and this is what they are. Motivation, there has to be some level, ability, and there has to be a trigger, and those things have to happen at the same moment. If anyone's missing, the behavior won't happen. Um, let's, and then there's a, there's a threshold of sorts, that if you're above the threshold and the trigger hits, the behavior will occur. If you're below it, it won't. Let me show you some examples. Um, here's something. I, Stanford Development Office calls you and says, hey, guess what? Donate a million dollars. Okay, hard to do. But they say, man, if you donate a million dollars, we'll give you a special box seats here at the stadium. We'll name a building in your honor, da, da, da. They're going to keep boosting the motivation. But notice how here in the model, if they keep going, it never goes over the line. Because for most people, donating a million dollars is really, really hard. Um, can I have, well, should I do this? Yeah, well, I've never done this before. OK. <laughs> Now I want to take the time. So let's say the target behavior, like the photo, was to sit in this position and go like this and just hold it there for 10 seconds. Okay. Now I could pull out money and say, okay, here's $100 to do it. Here's more. And if you can't do it, you can't do it. It doesn't matter how high the motivation is. Now there's lots of things I can't do. That happens to be easy for me. But the point is you need to if it's hard to do, don't boost the motivation. Make it easier to do. And from a behavior design perspective, working with my students, this is the natural reaction. If we're triggering the behavior and it's not working, we're going to make it easier to do before we mess with motivation. Motivation's the, the last of the three things you manipulate. Here's the part of the chart I like the best. Easy to do doesn't matter where the motivation is. And let me show you a video that typifies this. This is my dog, Millie. What she wants me to do is kick the ball so she can chase it. Now, notice how that works. She didn't know this at first, but okay. next she puts it in the very center of the house. You can't go anywhere without going here. So even without looking, you'll walk through and kick the ball. Okay, so she makes it super easy. So the point here is, here's where Millie's at. She wants me to kick the ball. She knows my motivation's often low because I've done this thousands and thousands of times. So it's got to be easy to do, and now she's even better. In fact, she puts it outside the shower, so as I step out, I kick it. She's, and then she runs over into the, like, the bedroom, and she, knows, and she just puts it in all the right spots. How can we do this well when we're designing for health systems? Now, notice the more you do something, and this isn't a great example. Let's take the walk five minutes. Let's, somebody who's never really exercised before. If we can get, let's say, just Sarah walking five minutes for five days in a row, she's a different person at that point and the walking 10 minutes or 30 minutes is different on the map for her. In other words, believe in baby steps. And the more baby steps we can get people to do, the more capable they will be of doing the harder stuff. Don't start with the hard stuff. Recipe for failure. Floss one tooth. Some of you will be motivated. Some of you won't be very motivated. But I'm hoping it's easy enough that you'll actually do it. 
Now, <laughs> I've been there. When, when you're not flossing regularly, you bleed, your fingers hurt, there's all these demotivators. But the more you do it, the faster you get, it doesn't hurt, you don't bleed after about four days. In other words, the flossing, all your teeth, it's easier and easier to do. Now, a point I want to make about habits. Here's where they live. And they live somewhere and here. Habits do not live where it's hard to do. I can't think of any habit that is hard to do that is truly a habit. So, look and see how people trigger these behaviors. Um, Facebook is very good at triggering behavior, mostly through email. Uh, in one case, I got a notification that one of my students had tagged me in a photo, and I was like, okay, I'll go check this out. Actually, I wasn't smiling. I was like, oh, no, what could this be? Uh, so I go into Facebook and look around, and I update my status, and you know, this was when I was working, in theory, and then I realized, stupid Facebook, I'm supposed to be working. I got triggered. So Facebook is very good at triggering us to do what they want us to do, which is to go into their system and contribute content, make them a wealthier company. But when I looked at this from a behavior design perspective, from my lab's perspective, love it or hate it, Facebook is great at this very important, these are the most important nine words probably that I've learned at Stanford. Put hot triggers in the path of motivated people. A hot trigger isn't, does, it doesn't mean it's the, the cool, sexy thing. The hot trigger says you can do this now. You can floss your tooth now. The winning ventures are great at doing this. They're great at hot triggering. And more and more of those triggers are coming through our social network. It appears that our friends are triggering us, not some big company. Hot triggers don't, aren't just in technology. They're all around us. They've been around for a long, long time. Notice how hot triggers work. That's one of the things I want you to do after this talk. And I think it's part of being the genius in behavior change. It's like, there's a hot trigger. There's a hot trigger. Oh, there's a hot trigger we can use in the system. This is not a hot trigger. It's just a switch. These are hot triggers. On the left is a cold trigger, because I can't drink milk when I see that bus stop. On the right, I can, because I can buy it. Now, the connection here is this. The, notice how people use hot triggers to then create habits so they can remove the explicit trigger and the behavior still happens. You still log on to Facebook every day. You still use a certain app and what have you. So these triggers need to be in the path. It needs to be with something that people are already using, email, Twitter, on the outside of the fridge, on your bathroom mirror, watch for them. And technology is great at triggering behaviors, and it's going to get better and better. And mobile phones are, in some ways, the holy grail. Last week, I ran a conference here at Stanford on mobile health. We had 60 speakers who talked about what, what's working with mobile and what's not. I'm hoping you put this hot trigger in your path. Uh, it's an important part, I think, of designing for behavior change to experience it and think about it. So what I've tried to do in this talk is have two types of behavior, uh, habits we're forming. One, and it didn't happen because our phones didn't ring very much, is when a cue happens, you respond. The phone rings, I relax. I call that a cue habit. The other type of habit I call a cycle habit. Right after I brush, I floss. Every day at 8 o'clock, I do this. Every time I go to the gym, I text my sister. It happens on a cycle. 
those daily cycle habits are bullseye of what we're doing right now in my lab, and it's what we care about the most. As you work on creating this habit with floss one tooth, I'm hoping you will get a sense of how that works, how you respond, how automatic it becomes. Forget about a lot of what you've heard, uh, common received wisdom about habit formation. I think a lot of it's wrong. And pay attention to your own processes in creating habits. I think there's still a lot to be discovered there. Thanks, everybody. For more, please visit us at stanford.edu.